You can subscribe to these radio shows by way of the Substack button at truthjihad.com. The key thing is, don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think the the most important, the most compelling was was 9-11 itself. Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio. This is the live edition coming out every Friday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. Central, where I am, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, where a lot of other people are, and whatever time it may be, wherever you are, it's always time for free speech on the Internet radio airwaves. <coughs> this is the place where we can debate all of the most important issues that the mainstream is systematically suppressing, spinning, distorting, or uh, otherwise being less than fully truthful about and tonight we have a fantastic show lined up. Let's start at the end. The second hour features a debate between Gidgen Paglia and Peter Myers, two notable Australians, about the COVID lockdowns and the anti-lockdown protests going on down under. So that should be a great hour. They have a very different viewpoints there. Gidgen Paglia actually more or less supports the lockdowns, the masking, the distancing, and the vaccines. And Peter Myers, not so much. So get ready for the sparks to fly. Uh, get the shrimp on the Barbie and get all ready for that. Should be a great second hour. And then the second half hour here in the first hour, coming up in 30 minutes from now, Richard Gage, AIA, appears on Truth Jihad Radio for his first tell-all interview disclosure on stepping down from architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. I understand there was quite a bit of controversy around that. I've heard all sorts of rumors and uh, I have sources around the architects and engineers board and so on and so forth. And I've heard all sorts of interesting things. It was tragic in a way this happened in such a way as to take Spike Lee's pro 9-11 truth film out of circulation. He had a half hour segment of his 9-11 documentary that was a brilliant uh, pro 9-11 truth piece by all accounts. And it's missing in action now. So we'll we'll talk to Richard about that, and hopefully we'll eventually get to see Spike Lee's film. And uh, we'll launch Richard's new career. Uh, he'll be able to say anything he wants now, instead of just over and over talking about the building demolitions in the way the board wants him to. He can now speak his mind about anything, and I'm sure he will, so that should be fun. Okay, let's get going in the first half hour here. Henry Herskovitz <laughs> is a long-term repeat guest here at Truth Jihad Radio because he is a Truth Jihadi himself. He gets out there in front of the synagogue in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Beth Israel Synagogue in particular, every Saturday, and usually they get 6 to 12 people displaying signs like resist Jewish power, Jewish power corrupt, stop funding Israel, end the Palestinian Holocaust, no more Holocaust movies, and similar slogans. These are uh, really pushing the boundaries of what's considered oh yeah, decent free speech in America, apparently, and... It's gone to court, and now we have the U.S. District Court of Appeals uh, siding with Henry Free Speech in the First Amendment. This is some rare good news to report. So, hey, congratulations, Henry Herskovitz. Good to have you back, Henry. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here with you. And uh, you know it's going to be a good day when you open your email from your attorney 
And the only two words he writes are we win. Wow. And, uh, and, and that happened, um, uh, interestingly enough on the, um, on the Jewish day of atonement, uh, judgment day. I love it. And, uh, I thought to myself, maybe the judges, uh, conspired to deliver it that day, or maybe they didn't know what they were doing. But in any case, it does bring a smile. Uh, to my face, that they um, they agreed with the uh, district court uh, finding that the uh, the suit had no merit in standing, um, and uh, well, actually, the uh, the two of, two of the three judges said it did merit standing, but those are technical terms that lawyers can wrestle with. I, I'm not so um, hip on le- on uh, the legal. Jargon, but uh, Eric Clay uh, uh, wrote, wrote also in this opinion that um, that it um, uh, did not. You know, he he agreed with the judge that it didn't meet standing um, uh, requirements. Uh, but in any case, I was kind of glad that they didn't just rule on standing and send it back because what they really did was they um, they ruled on on the merits of the case and they found the merits uh wanting um uh, in a country that um that that honors free speech and and uh for all the faults of the United States of America I'm really pleased to uh wake up in the morning and realize I live in a country that does support free speech because uh, that's what uh, that's what we're all about uh in our uh, weekly protests a slight correction uh to you that uh, I missed last Saturday's uh protest the protest went on but without the uh without the leader because he was out motorcycling in uh, ohio so um uh, uh I, so, so when you're not day. off on a biker trip uh, you're usually there in front of the synagogue yes we just completed 18 years non-stop every saturday morning um wow. and uh, you know it's a uh you know i was sitting here reflecting on the past and and recognizing too that there are um you know there are 12 people that have passed away that used to stand vigil with us. And, and we don't have that, you know, we don't have the numbers that we used to. Um, and we always reach out to people when I talk to people around town and they're interested in what we're doing. I always invite them to come out on Saturday mornings and stand with us for an hour. Um, and a few really take me up on the, on the offer, but, um, you know, Hey, you just do what you have to do. And, uh, and you let the, uh, the bean counters count how effective you are. Um, we do actually count beans every Saturday. We count um, uh, signs of um, support versus signs of derision. And the supporters, um, typically, every week, we've never lost um, with supporters versus denigrators. And um, and usually it's in the uh, ratio of five to one, support versus uh, non-support. Wow. And, that, so, and that, that's so different from the impression we get from the mainstream media, which really tries to marginalize people who stand, you know, as strongly against Zionism as you guys do. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's, it's even even in the uh, decision, there is a, um, you know, um, a derision. Uh, it's like I want to say to the judges, well, well, whose whose side are you on anyways? You know, they write things like. Um, um, that, that the, um, we have, um, you know, that, that un- it's understandable that the congregants brought this lawsuit against us because we've been out there for 
they they calculated like 900 weeks or something like that, you know. Um, but you know, is it understandable? And and um, um, you know, the the people are not asking uh, the questions um, why. Um, why do why did the people bring the lawsuit against this? What is it that makes the um, plaintiffs uh, elderly Jewish people? Why what makes them so um, upset at our signs? No one seems to be asking that question. Um, and and personally, you know, I think I've I told you on an email that you're the only journalist that's reached out to me to uh, to get you know our side of the story. The, um, the, it's the it's, it's that, too easy, Henry. It's too easy to be a, a real journalist when the mainstream ones aren't doing their job. They're all being paid salaries to not cover really interesting stories like this. And then, you know, and I'm breaking Richard Gage's story. Uh, you know, he, another historic thing about what's been going on in this country for the past 20 years. Over the past 20 years, you, with your picketing in front of the synagogue in Ann Arbor, uh, Richard Gage with his architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. I mean, you know, the, both of you guys are doing heroic things and it, they're both really good stories. And since the guys who are being paid salaries to do journalism aren't interested in these real stories, I get handed them on a silver platter. I can't complain. <laughs> well, lucky you. But on the other hand, you know, our stories aren't getting out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what Richard has to say. I, I did listen to him at one point. I am a member of um, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. I donate monthly um, a, a, a tiny amount to them. And uh, and I certainly wish him well. And he's he is definitely a brave individual. Um, but, you know, I it's it's like the, the news people don't want to know. And, and they they lost the you know, when I was in fifth grade, I learned um a journalist's job is to describe the who, what, where, why, when of any story, and and why seems to um, have been uh, frittered away. You know, I wanted to tell the news people, and I guess I can tell you because you're the only one listening, is that I never doubted the sincerity of uh, Mr. Gerber or Dr. Brisk um, as they claim personal hurt by looking at our signs. You know, I don't think that they're, I don't think they're making up. The fact that they are hurt by our signs, but I do um, think that the public should ask them, why are you feeling hurt? And I would offer that they're they're feeling hurt because um, they don't want the, the, the motoring public. That's who we address every day. They, they don't want the motoring public to know that um, our citizens are paying 10 million dollars a day uh, every day to the state of Israel, um, that they are killing, wantonly killing Palestinians. Um, they we, don't we, want, we just handed Israel another billion dollars for the Iron not, Dome another rehab. Another billion. Yes, yeah. I was asked by my friend Allison Weir. Um, she's a she's a very worthwhile uh, person, a great journalist. She runs ifamericansnew.org and has a, a news blog called Israel Palestine News, which if you just look at that, the daily crimes committed by Israel is just amazing. And what's more amazing is that it's being withheld from American ears, uh, from the world's ears, you know, because the, uh, there's a, uh, uh, you know, there's some force out there that's, that's trying to suppress these stories. And when you, and when you say that it's, you know, the, uh, the Jewish community has a lot of, um, of power in this regard, 
Um, and, and we know from personal experience about that, we try to put up a billboard that says America first, not Israel. We sign a three month contract. It gets taken down in a week. Um, and, and then we and then our sign that says Jewish power corrupts, which you read on your introduction there. Um, I mean, we feel it's absolutely corrupting and it certainly has corrupted our ability to express ourselves. I mean, what good is it to live in a country with free speech laws if the uh, the corp corporate um, cryptocracy or whatever you want to call it um, puts its thumb down on on um, on these things? So um, there's you know, they don't you know, the the the, the plaintiffs don't want um, Americans to know that that we bombed the USS Liberty uh, in open waters and uh, and silenced um, any uh, attempt at had a, uh, you know, fair, fair trial, fair um, exposition of studies um, to, to that effect. Um, you know, they don't want the Americans to know that there's there's great information out there linking Israel's Mossad to the attacks on September 1st, uh, 2001. Yeah, September 11th, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. September, I'm sorry, and, September and, 11th. And, and we could get into the assassinations of both Kennedys, too, of course, as Laurent Guyano does in his book on the uh what's it called the the um the, the not the untold uh, kennedy truth is it the deep state book that he wrote well he, yeah he's, he's touched on it in the deep state book he touched on it in from yahweh to zion but i think i think it's is it the unspoken kennedy truth i think it is is his new smaller book uh about those two cases and you know just oh. just for to, for an entry to the that issue just think about the fact who would set up a Palestinian, Sirhan Sirhan, as the mind-controlled patsy for the Bobby Kennedy assassination. What what kind of person or group would do that? Why would they want to blame it on a Palestinian? And likewise, uh, is it is it or is it not interesting that Jack Rubenstein, whose name was uh, changed to Ruby partly by the media, uh, was in yeah. fact a, a key mob bagman, an occasional hitman, an arms smuggler working for Mickey Cohen, who was the single biggest fundraiser for Israel in all of U.S. history. Cohen was the gangster on the West Coast who was immortalized in The Godfather because he put a horse's head in somebody's bed as a threat. That was Cohen who did that. He was the model for that character in The Godfather. And uh, so Mickey Cohen was very tight with Israel, uh, as was Meyer Lansky, head of the entire North American syndicate. And the fact that Jack Rubenstein, uh, an enforcer for Mickey Cohen, gunned down uh, the, the alleged lone assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, in broad daylight, walking through a, a parting Red Sea of police officers to do it, uh, is, is something that you would kind of think people would know about. But for some reason, they don't. In any case, the you know putting Johnson in office, getting rid of Kennedy, who was dedicated to shutting down Israel's nuclear weapons program, putting in Johnson, who was Israel's man from the moment he was he was made by a rich uh, Zionist. Uh, right up to the end, uh, and, and allowing Johnson to preside over the 1967 Israeli war of aggression and to try to bring the U.S. into it on the side of Israel with the Liberty incident. You know, you, you add up all of this and you see the connection between 9-11 and these Kennedy assassinations. In both cases, you had grotesque crimes that were pretty much committed right out in the open in broad daylight with heavy Zionist participation and totally covered up by both the mainstream and alternative medias, which are top heavy with people with conscious and unconscious loyalties to Israel and the tribal group that it represents. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you start peeling back the uh, superficial uh, <laughs> disguise. You start to look at what's really going on. And no wonder the people at, at the synagogue 
don't like having you out there, you know, poking around at the truth about America's enslavement by Israel. And, and there's what strikes me, Henry, when I read this uh, decision is, is it quotes the defendants or the rather the, the plaintiffs who were suing you trying to get you off the sidewalk. Uh, they claim that your signs, quote, insulted their re- ethnicity, religion and their loyalty to Israel. Now, well, I think what they're trying to do, Kevin, is to is to uh, convince others that we only uh, start from a position of anti-Semitism, that we are anti-Semites and that we are um, and, and that's that's our fault. And, and that we have, um, you know, we appeal to them. Well, we, we stage our our protests just because we're we're um, we, we hate Jews. And, and it's just that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, we we value we value truth and we value people and we certainly value Palestinians. We value Americans who's who are sitting back watching their country de- deteriorate before our eyes. And we look to see who's doing that. And we look at our foreign policy and how it's populated. I mean, the the uh, the vote on the Iron Dome, one billion dollars that you talked about was really grotesque. It makes me think. You know, what planet am I living on that where where they could get 420 people to, to vote to give more money to an oppressive racist nation? And if you don't think Israel's racist, just look at their nation state law from 2018. Replace the word Jewish with white and see how that that document reads. And, and everybody in the United States would say, whoa, that's a very racist document, you know, but because it's Jewish. You know, everybody has that soft spot in their heart. I mean, if any other group was committing the crimes against the Palestinian people that the Jews are doing, um, the world would be up in arms and it would stop tomorrow. But because they have this this mythical history of suffering um, supported by the uh, the Holocaust industry in Hollywood um, and, of course, many, many authors that that are flagrantly um, just just blatantly lie to their readers and and talk about bars of soap made from Jewish fat, which has been totally debunked, um, steam chambers where they allegedly killed Jews. uh, And and the fact that, uh, well, what got me listed by the ADL as a Holocaust denier, and I guess if the ADL calls you a Holocaust denier, well, golly, you just may as well be one, you know, Um, the uh, because I, I I make the statement that no one can provide a single wartime photograph of a homicidal gas chamber. Well, that gets me, you know, that that gets me just labeled in the same drawer as David Duke, and then the drawer is closed, and no one ever hears about it again. Yeah, and I, I've had that problem too, Henry. As, as you know, if we look at that issue and then notice that it's not cut and dried. You know, the mainstream says it's cut and dried. The deniers are absolutely wrong, et cetera. But then you actually look into it and you see that's just not true. It's a very interesting and open issue. And all you, you say that it's a simple, obvious truth. And they label you a Holocaust denier simply for being willing to look at that question and he, and explore the, the evidence. Absolutely. I mean, personally, I don't doubt a bit that Jews suffered horribly during World War Two, but it's, um, but that's only the beginning. And as you say, you peel back the, uh, the, the, the curtains and, and the, uh, the, you know, the blinders on people and, and you try to show something and then they just go into ad hominem mode. We just had a, a discussion with the group I have in, um, in England. Uh, we had, um, Professor Elon Pape 
uh, come and speak with us. And he ended up calling uh, the leader of our group uh, an agent of Mossad because he felt that his remarks were were uh, so anti-Semitic, which, of course, is a silly term because Arabs are Semites. Well, wait, who, know. who's the leader of your group? Uh, his name is Joseph O'Neill, and he's quite a uh, an, an interesting character. He's a retired uh, M.D., um, and he's got this interfaith group together and, and a year ago invited me to join. And I did. And I haven't regretted that at all, because because like you, I get to speak um, to people that that um, that understand and, and, and listen and open and have open ears and minds and hearts. Um, and and uh, so I think it's very valuable that this that Joseph has uh, entered my life. I look forward to our Monday morning chats. Um, and, uh, you know, he's looking for other speakers. If you want me to, uh, suggest you, it would be a, yeah, sure. Uh, go, go ahead. I'd be interested. Well, it, it, and the thing about this, of course, is that, I, well, I don't know about this guy. I don't know him, but obviously you and the other people I've seen in Ann Arbor doing this protest are not bigoted in any way. So this claim by the defendants who just lost this case to try to get you off the sidewalk, where they said that you were insulting their ethnicity, their religion, and their loyalty to Israel. Well, they're they're right there, one out of three. You're not insulting their ethnicity. You have no problem with Jewish ethnicity. You're from a Jewish ethnic background yourself. You're not against their religion. You have nothing against Judaism as a religion. It's the loyalty to Israel that's a problem. And it's amazing that these people are so blind that they don't see that being loyal to a genocidal foreign nation that has captured so much power in Washington, D.C. and in the financial centers of London, New York, and so on, that, that that's not, not a problem. You know, I, how can they not see that their loyalty to this very questionable and problematic foreign state is not a problem? They just drop back into their uh, fallback modes and call us using anti-Semitic tropes. And I say, you know, if a trope is true, is it still a trope? You know, I mean, it's, you know, like 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 Jews control Hollywood. You know, Joel Stein wrote those exact words in a uh, in a piece for the L.A. Times. Yes, he's a, he's a bit of a column. trope meister. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like. You know what? What you know? That's why one of my favorite signs that we carry is no more Holocaust movies. I just think that <laughs> that's a great sign. I love it. The world is fed up with uh, being uh, pounded over the head about this this small piece of World War II history that's only seen through a very narrow lens and pounded down the throats of Americans on a uh, well. New York Times will carry a story about the Holocaust every week. I don't know how many movies are still coming out of Hollywood. There's over 300 Holocaust movie and so movies, and so our sign is pretty simple: it's just quit, quit badgering people, you know. And and if you and and addressing Jews, um, if if you really want history to to write kindly about you, you really got to stop this behavior of um, of paying off um, legislatures in our country. Um, sneaking into our government, even though you can, you you hold um, uh, Israeli citizenship. I remember Kevin when I called um, Carl Levin's office, um, and uh, and and it's, I'm not picking on a dead man uh, uh, because it was one of his um, people that answered the phone, and I asked the man if um, if uh, Carl was a, a citizen of Israel, and he just got real loud and said, Carl Levin is a citizen of the United States. And I said, well, 
of course he is. He's he's you know he's got to be to, to occupy a Senate seat uh, in the, in the Senate in the Congress and and uh, and he just kept repeating that mantra that you know Carl Levin is a citizen of the United States and he never did answer that he was a, a citizen of Israel. Well, that sounds like a non denial denial. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I came away with. And I think there's another there's a U.S. representative around here who must be a relative named Andy Levin. And I plan to call his office and ask him if Andy's a citizen of Israel. And, well, and you're, you're exercising your free speech rights, Henry. So it, well, is is this the end then? Will this appeals court ruling essentially send these uh, these people, these plaintiffs uh, back to their synagogue and they're going to have to just put up with the protests or could they appeal this to a higher court? And what would that be if it were if they did that? I, I asked my attorney that the uh, the Supreme Court is the next court up. And he says that there is a very steep road for um, attorney uh, Mark Susselman. That's their attorney to to climb up this steep road. Uh, but he wouldn't doubt that because he knows Susselman. And he, and, he, and he doesn't think favorably of him as we don't. And um, uh, but but he says that there is a chance that he could uh, appeal this to the Supreme Court. There are mechanisms that are that will make it very difficult for him. But, you know, when you're talking about um, Jewish power versus the First Amendment, it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing battle. There was a, a piece on uh, uh, NPR by Brooke Gladstone. I, uh, a Jewish Zionist uh, on NPR and 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 and, and discussing how uh, maybe permeable our First Amendment is. Maybe it's not absolute. And, he, and they brought on four other Jewish people to uh, to support that that allegation. And um, and in fact, one of the guys uh, wrote a book called The Case Against uh, the First Amendment. Well, well so, a lot of this anti-First Amendment activity is based on saying, oh, this hurts. You're hurting this or that group. Uh, it hurts my feelings to say these things. So you should be uh, banned for this or that ground. And, and we're seeing that all over social media. The big social media monopolies are banning and deplatforming people left and right on this kind of basis. Uh, people who are just engaging in First Amendment protected speech. So it's great that in this case, the court has held that despite the fact that your speech is such that it's conceivable that people would find it inappropriate or controversial, but it does address a matter of public concern. And so yes. they can't shut you down with what, what the court called a heckler's veto. That is when somebody doesn't like a certain kind of speech, can they just uh, shut it up by going to court and, and being like a heckler who shouts down a speaker? And in this case, the court said absolutely not. So, that, that's really refreshing, and it does show the difference between the jurisprudence around the First Amendment, which is really pretty good in the United States overall, versus the kinds of idiotic, uh, totally uh, unclear, uh, non-transparent uh, tra censorship that's going on in these social media outfits. I think we need to nationalize all social media, run them as transparent public utilities uh, under the First Amendment. And I well, hear here. I, I agree. And, and, you know, frankly, um, you know, if it weren't for this group out of Detroit that represented us, Constitutional Litigation Associates, um, they they have represented us pro bono. And, and if it wasn't for them, we would we would probably be off the streets because because I don't know how to argue um, a, a case like this. There's not going to be any court appointed um, defense attorney given to us. 
we would just have to go up there against their lawyers. And um, and, and they had um, some group out of uh, New York, a very well funded group that came that joined their their suit. Um, and and so we would have been we would have been shut down uh, either that or we would have been um, either penalized financially or perhaps imprisoned. Um, so, um, you know, thanks. Thanks to that. And I um, uh, I wanted also to 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 shout out to um, my friend Allison Chablot, who is uh, is in prison in um, uh, England, of all places. You know, the mother country is uh, is now jailing political dissidents uh, for their for their views on, and their and their speech. Uh, and so it does make me pause to think how quickly our country uh, may uh, sink to, to that to that level where you can't um, oppose speech with other speech, which is what you should do. Right. If I say um, the earth is flat, you can say, Henry, there's you know satellites running around this flat um space of yours and you can make a, a fool out of me uh, with your speech. So so I think we're really falling behind on, on this. And I hope that we don't enter the abyss that uh, that England has. Well, it's a good thing we have a First Amendment and it isn't entirely dead. It does. It applies to smaller and smaller spaces. It doesn't apply anymore to the de facto public square, which is social media and the Internet. But and it doesn't apply to the shopping malls anymore because they're private. So the sidewalk inside the shopping mall doesn't count, but it still applies to public sidewalks out in the open. So if you can brave the elements, you can stand in front of the Beth Israel synagogue in Ann Arbor and protest their uh, rabid support for the genocide of Palestine. And the court has now upheld that that's protected speech under the First Amendment. So let's hope that similar rulings keep coming down in the future and the First Amendment stays alive. And maybe we can roll back this corporate takeover and impose the First Amendment on the new public square, the Internet, as well as places like shopping malls and so on. And we're supposed to have free speech everywhere, not in little tiny free speech zones, but I'm glad the sidewalk is still a free speech zone. Well, Henry, I think we, we might have Richard Gage on the line now, or we're supposed to have him on very soon. Let's, let's just check. Richard, are you there yet? Guess not. I sure oh, am. Oh, there he is. Okay. Hey, He's well, there. Well, thank you so much, Henry Herskovitz, um, a man who's not afraid to speak his mind about all controversial topics and has been now backed up by a high-level court. Uh, so congratulations, Henry. Look forward to talking again. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much. You take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Henry Herskovitz, uh, the winner of a landmark free speech case in Ann Arbor that the media is barely covering. Well, let's move on to another, well, it's sort of a free speech case because Richard Gage, AIA, has had to really be buttoned down in his approach to free speech in his work with architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, which he founded in 2007 and stepped down from uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And he was constrained in what he could talk about, uh, mostly the demolitions of the buildings in, in New York on September 11, 2001, and now he is, I believe, fully uh, severed in his ties from that organization, able to say whatever the heck he thinks and whatever is on his mind. And and that's a great feeling. Take it from me. I've been doing it for almost 15 years now on the radio. So, hey, welcome, Richard Gage, AIA. Great to have you back. Thank you, Kevin. And you've paid the price uh, for that uh, free speech. Um, 
And so uh, we all appreciate that um, very, very much so. Um, I, 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 I was representing 3,500 architects and engineers. And so I needed uh, to constrain my speech. Uh, I'm now speaking on behalf of myself only and not on behalf of AE911 Truth, which I founded. Uh, the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth uh, 15 years ago. And uh, we now, well, they, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, have 3,500 architects and engineers signed on to their petitions uh, demanding a new investigation. Uh, I built that organization with a lot of help from a lot of people, um, and uh, it's thriving uh, today, and it continues to thrive. What happened was uh, uh, because uh, AE 9/11 Truth issued a press release uh, a few a couple of weeks ago, um, which uh, said that Richard Gage, uh, the organization founder, will no longer serve as the organization's CEO. This, of course, raised many questions, and I was um, uh, I was I was asked all kinds of questions about this. It led many people to come to the misunderstanding that I had actually stepped down, as you said, uh, and or retired or or who knows what. Uh, so this all came about because um, uh, we uh, about um, uh, a year ago, uh, we were c- contacted by Spike Lee and he was fascinated by the 9-11 truth evidence. And so he flew me to uh, Brooklyn to his studio and and I filmed for two hours and he was blown away, genuinely moved by this evidence. And he wanted to interview all these different experts and family members. And he had a 30 minute segment uh, that was to air on HBO on September 11th on his epi- uh, ep- the uh, Epicenter uh, miniseries. So, um, what happened was Slate magazine got a hold of an old, well, not so old, within the last year, an interview that I had done, an, uh, an obscure interview uh, in the hallway of a, of, a, of a conspiracy conference where I was invited to speak. And, um, and, and apparently I said some things that I have been warned uh, by myself and my board not to say about COVID. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm a skeptic of, of the COVID, um, uh, all aspects of it, actually. You know, we, we, we and, should do, uh, we should do a full show on that sometime. Well, it's not my area of expertise, which is why I'm not supposed to be talking about it, but it wasn't the first time. And, uh, it caused, uh, Spike Lee upon being confronted with it by Slate, Slate magazine, uh, to pull the 30 minute segment. We know that from inside information that indeed uh, this was the primary reason. He's certainly getting a lot of pressure from the powers that be in the, in the mainstream media and otherwise, I mean, this was HBO. Uh, no, no, Richard, Richard, I, just a moment. Could you clarify? Uh, so, so whatever you said about COVID, was that part of an actual uh, interview or just sort of a chat in the hallway at a convention? Well, I'm trying to determine that, actually, because I, I can't actually find the interview. But uh, Slate Magazine found it, and and uh, they didn't quote the source. Uh, but it sounds like something I would have said, so I didn't deny <laughs> okay, it. Okay, you didn't disavow it. 
Yeah, what I said was that COVID was a false flag uh, operation, a deep state uh, uh, false flag uh, and a hoax and that uh, the vaccines are likely to kill us. Uh, I said things like that. I said things about Bill Gates. I said things about his father, um, uh, all of which I believe are true. Uh, I, I know actually are true. And so uh, that's based on my own research. But that's not what I'm supposed to be doing, as I mentioned. So Spike Lee, unfortunately, is a supporter of the official uh, COVID theory. In fact, he's he's uh, he's dedicated um, himself to making sure that uh, black people in New York have the opportunity to get vaccinated. And uh, that's one of his missions. So uh, it, this did not take well uh, in his mind uh, the, upon being confronted by Slate magazine with these quotes. So um, he pulled that segment and it was an incredible epic loss for all of us in the 9-11 truth movement. Uh, and uh, I, I can't stress how, how many millions and millions of people would have seen the truth and be talking about it if it weren't for those comments that I made. So this was a, a, a huge tragedy. And, and the, the board, uh, upon meeting uh, with this, our board, at uh, my former board at AE 9-11 Truth, uh, debated, uh, quite, quite, it was quite difficult. Um, and, uh, the, the, the issue was that, um, this could come back to haunt me and, and, uh, 8911 truth for the indefinite future. Uh, these comments because, uh, they would be brought out anytime we got close to achieving mainstream, uh, uh, access like this. Uh, and so, uh, the PR, uh, uh, expert that we had hired said, uh, yeah, you have to distance. Uh, Mr. Gage has really become more of a, a, a liability than an asset at this point. And so they chose to remove me as CEO and as an employee and later as a board member. And so uh, later as a board member, because I I, I, my mission isn't done. I need to continue speaking. And that's what I'm doing uh, on your radio show uh, is announcing also, wh where am I going from here? I mean, what do you do when the, the organization you created and have been tied to for so long is um, has uh, kind of booted you out? I, I, I thought this was an overreaction, a knee jerk reaction. So did others on the board. It was a difficult debate and and um, we lost narrowly. And so I'm on my own. Uh, I've got a, a, a new company. I'm going to be working for myself. It's called Richard Gage 911.org. That's our website, Richard Gage 911.org. Uh, and there you can find this whole story that we're talking about here in a form of a letter some uh, notes of support from dozens and dozens of uh, of supporters and uh, some ideas about where we're heading from here. Um, I, I'm going to be uh, edifying AE911 Truth. The organization stands as a pinnacle, uh, the tip of the spear of the 9-11 Truth movement. The evidence is all there. The 3,500 petition signers are all there. The organization needs to be supported with the excellent projects that it has been doing and will continue to do. 
and I will be its biggest uh, advocate. I encourage people to donate uh, to 1811 Truth and, and to make sure uh, that it is successful going forward, especially in light of this um, this loss, this tragic loss of, of our HBO coverage. And, and of course, that, that leads to the question, is there a chance that Spike Lee will be putting out that 30-minute segment, which by all accounts was brilliant, um, at some point in the future? Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Uh, I, I don't have any clue as to what will happen with that, but I, like you, uh, I, I am, I am hoping maybe there'll be a leak. I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, so, I, I think it did actually get broadcast. I think it was available. It, you know, it was put up. You could have listened to it through the the website or watched it uh, on on the website for I think two or three days before it got pulled. Uh, but well, if I, you had special access as media, I, I, some some of the media reported on it. And, of course, this is the media that doesn't do us any good. They're just saying it's full of pernicious lies uh, told by uh, 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 Richard Gage about the World Trade Center. Well, there wasn't uh, – I, I was just speaking facts, uh, not conjecture, you know, how my, my, uh, my, uh, my work goes, which is, by the way uh, – uh, up in the evidence section uh, at the new website, richardgage911.org. And th- they're just facts. Uh, so uh, they're, we're exploring the uh, opportunity of a defamation lawsuit. When somebody says you're lying about something, that's pretty serious. It's, um, it's, a, it's a legal problem for Slate Magazine, and, and I'm going to be pursuing it the way I can, uh, every way I can. So we also have a new Twitter account, Kevin, uh, and um, uh, that's Richard Gage 911, and a new Facebook uh, account. Well, that's that's old, but it's now named Richard Gage 911, and Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, Richard Gage AIA Architect is the name of the company, actually, and uh, Richard Gage 911 is the, the short version. For so, the, so, so no, Richard, do you, think, do you think you're going to be still primarily focusing on the demolitions, or are you going to branch off um, uh, in other areas, including maybe this controversial COVID stuff? Um, are, are you going to be also more open to speaking your mind about who did it and things like that? Because I noticed the, I think the slate piece and another hit piece or two uh, said, covered some uh, moments where like somebody at one of your events had said something about how, you know, Israel did it alongside the neocons and the American government or something like that. They tried to tar you with the brush of anti-Semitism because you spoke about the quite obvious evidence that there was uh, Israeli involvement as well as U.S. neocon involvement. Uh, so are, are you going to be uh, branching out and, and covering more territory or are you going to try to stick pretty much to the uh, demolition issues? Uh, I, I, I will start by sticking to the demolition issues. Um, I will have a podcast, um, and, 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 and a, a YouTube channel where I'll be, be, uh, interviewing others. Um, I'll, uh, we're going, I, I'm going to be, uh, looking for additional material, other people to interview. Um, one of my, ideas is to interview uh kevin ryan uh, on the topic of another 19 suspects the title of his book um and uh i will be 
I, and I, I'm thinking about interviewing him also on the topic of an essay he wrote about COVID-19 and 9-11 parallels, uh, how they were set up, uh, envisioned, uh, carried out, and censored. And uh, there's a lot of parallels there. And so I don't see why I should avoid that. I'm, I'm gun shy, having stepped outside of my narrow comfort zone at AE 9-11 Truth and got shot. Um, but uh, I haven't quite figured out, you know, who I am out yet outside of AE 9-11 Truth, Kevin. This has been mm-hmm. a, a traumatic uh, series of events over the last three weeks. That well, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a second huge change for you. The first one coming, of course, when you heard that Bonnie Faulkner interview of David Ray Griffin while you're driving along in the Bay area and kind of had to pull over and stop and think about the issue of the demolitions that it raised. And that sent you on this journey, you know, before that you were a successful uh, architect and now, and then you, you just spent the last uh, what decade and a half or so on this critically important nine 11 issue. So uh, now I guess you, you have another chance <laughs> to, uh, to move on, but to kind of incorporate what you've been doing with architects and engineers. Yeah, and, and, and I hope I can find venues uh, to speak in that people will uh, be uh, pulling together uh, groups locally uh, as as we did uh, earlier in, in, in 2010 through 2015, particularly. Uh, I did, you know, I've spoken 700 times in uh, two dozen countries and 100 American cities. I've, I've done about... Um, an equal number of radio and TV interviews. Um, my mission is not done, but COVID has put a, uh, a crimp uh, on, uh, on the uh, speaking engagements because people aren't getting together uh, these days. So I've, I've been doing more virtual presentations, but I need to, I need to find venues f- for myself too. I mean, uh, who is Richard Gage uh, without uh, his 3,500 architects and engineers that he's representing? And that was a huge point of credibility uh, that we had built up. And uh, I'm, I have faith that, that I can still be used uh, successfully, efficiently in, in the 9-11 truth movement. I'm getting a lot of support. Interestingly, about half of that support is saying, yeah, don't screw up again. Uh, just stay, just stay with the World Trade Center evidence. And about half is saying, you can go anywhere you want and talk about anything you want. And, uh, yeah, but I'm an architect. Well, okay. Have others on your podcast that can talk about things that you really want to get out there, but don't want to take take the heat for yeah yeah you know richard it, it occurs to me that you could create a pretty good brand by looking for the kind of most credible uh sources talking about the kind of technical aspects of things like covid you know you don't have to be an expert on covid but because you've done so well in the 9-11 truth movement uh, gathering the technical experts to produce very credible and kind of vetted, consensually vetted information about 9-11, 
if you kind of took that route with things like COVID and, and other similar issues, and we're kind of careful to, you know, to really try to find the sort of consensus of the best scientific experts who are questioning uh, official discourse on COVID, that actually might be quite successful because, of course, it's been two decades since 9-11, but we're in the middle of COVID. I'm not sure it's ever going to end. I mean, personally, you know, you and I probably don't see totally eye to eye on COVID because I think it's a real virus that really does kill about as many as they say it does. Um, but I, I think that, number one, it was a false flag designed to demonize China in the same way 9-11 was a false flag designed to demonize Muslims. And number two, I think there are all sorts of questions about the technicalities of vaccines and COVID that the mainstream is presenting only one side of. And I, I think it's going to get worse. I, I, I think Vanden Bosch and uh, uh, Montagnier and that group of experts is probably right that the vaccines wear off quickly. They breed a worse version of the virus. It's the vaccines are not going to stop it. If anything, they might even make it worse. So that, that's my take. But in any case, if you just found the, you know, the really good experts, and personally, I find Montagnier and, uh, and those people to be the most credible and kind of, you know, to try to focus on that type of information, you might do really well because there's a lot of unvetted and sloppy and contradictory and frankly, unscientific information on COVID floating around out there. And so if you could try to find a way to sort of boil it down and get the really good technical stuff, uh, that might really fill a need and create a good niche for you. Yeah, if I have the draw that would encourage such experts to want to be on my program, right now I have zero views on my YouTube channel because I have zero YouTubes. <laughs> you better uh, so put a YouTube up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing that uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, but, but I, yeah, I've got to, I've got to get some content rolling here and, and, and establish a footing in, in the overall truth movement and, and nine 11. And I'll start by reestablishing a footing in the 9-11 truth movement where I have intrinsic support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes good sense. So start there and kind of branch out carefully. Uh, (laughs) Oh boy. Well, I I, I wish we could get Spike Leon and and have you guys talk because, you know, the, the way people get canceled and shut down over these things, you know, I, I love Spike Lee and I guess I could sort of, I guess I could understand his attitude here if he's so committed to vaccinating everybody. But still, you know, the idea that you can't talk to somebody about something you agree on because you disagree about something else and the idea you can't even talk about stuff that you disagree about and you just cancel everybody that you disagree with. It's gone way too far. You know, we need dialogue between people with different points of view. I wish I could get you and Spike Lee on together to uh, to hash it out over the stuff that you disagree about. And, you know, I wish he would recognize that you have the right to have some opinions that he disagrees with on these other topics it has nothing to do with your work on nine 11, which he finds so solid. I mean, I, I, I kind of appalled that he, he went along with that, that smear campaign and, uh, and yanked the film. Yeah, it, it hurt. It, it really did hurt. Uh, I, He's got his reasons for doing what he does. Um, uh, I, I, I can't fault him. I have incredible respect for his, uh, willingness to, 
to go against the grain, uh, you know, on on the left and in the mainstream, which he, you know, rides in. Um, he 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 was he was about to bring a much greater uh, pile of of uh, negative response upon himself. Um, it, it, it would have been virtually unbearable. And I warned him about that while we were interviewing. Uh, and he said, Hey, I've, I've, I've taken it before. I'll take it again. So, uh, but you know, I crossed, I crossed the line that, um, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. It's uh, I can totally relate to you though, Richard, because it's it's so tough to hold your tongue when you know in 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 uh, in Islam we say if you see something that's re- really wrong, you have to try to stop it with your hands. If you can't stop it with your hands, you try to stop it with your tongue by speaking out. And if you can't even do that, well, you have to at least uh, tr- try to stop it and oppose it in your heart, and that is the absolute least of faith. So when you see something wrong, and in your case, you see something wrong with COVID, and I certainly agree, there's obviously something wrong with COVID. It must it's it must have been so hard to bite your tongue and try not to talk about it. Yeah, and 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 as I mentioned, it it's something that just kept coming out of my mouth. It's like the more research you do, the more you realize that that um, I just get angry. We're we're being lied to left right and center um and and from the top down it, it's it it just hurts it's like when i first heard uh, about the 911 truth and and building 7 i i had to tell everybody about it and 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 people didn't agree with me on on, on the whole until they saw my presentation and and again in that case I, i'm I'm an architect. I have a certain degree of credibility with people when it comes to buildings. That's that's one of the advantages of 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 having expertise in 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 these areas. And I know, for instance, Building Seven comes down uh, straight down uniformly, symmetrically into its own footprint in the exact manner of the old hotels in Las Vegas, for instance. Uh, in, in seven seconds at free fall acceleration after witnesses hear explosions. I mean, that's just the beginning of the evidence for building seven, but that in itself is enough to convince just about anybody, uh, without even seeing it, just describing it as I do on the radio interviews. And so, uh, with that degree of passion that I had, cause I was really pissed off that we were lied to about nine 11. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, it, it, it just turned my life upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can relate. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't stop talking about it. Well, I, I probably shouldn't have done so much research on, on COVID either. Hey, you know, what, what are you going to do when you've got these cabals of criminals and deep state actors and, and psychopaths in power doing these crimes that are too big to fail. You know, if we don't talk about it, then they'll keep on doing the crimes and they'll never fail. So I, I, I think the, you know, erring on the side of speaking out is probably the right thing. 
And I congratulate you, Richard Gage, AIA, for speaking out so bravely on 9-11 all of these years. And God bless, and may you have a, a wonderful uh, post-AE 9-11 truth career, seeking and speaking the truth. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it so much. Okay, take care, Richard. Bye-bye. That's Richard Gage, AIA, one of the heroes of our time. Back next hour with two notable Australians debating the COVID lockdowns and protests, Gitchin Palia and Peter Myers. Listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message.